Welcome back, everyone. I'm with Patrick Childs again today. Today we're going to talk about my perennial favorite, the Ukraine, the, the Russian Ukraine war, and we're, this one's going to be actually a quick, quick, quick hit episode because we don't have a lot of time to get into all the details. But Patrick, what's your assessment on? And by the way, it is April 23rd, so I made a number of predictions in an April in, a, in, in an episode that was recorded in April on April 19th or April 20th, and it still hasn't aired yet, but what I predicted came true, which was basically what the Russian strategy was in the Southern Front, um, which was to just seize all of the South, all the way to Ude- Odessa. The Russian military uh, source that leaked, the, leaked or admitted to the Russian strategy was basically all of Southern Ukraine stretching to Transdenistra in Moldova, um, which is effectively the, the same thing. Um, but... Uh, you know, just so the audience knows, I predicted it. You just will see it after the news came out. Where are we? So, given that it's April twenty third, uh, Patrick, what's in your view? Kind of, what's your assessment of how the Russians have, have done so far? And just so the audience knows, you have a background in aviation operations from the Marine Corps. So, um, you know, what's your assessment of the Russian? tactical performance thus far? And do you think they're going to learn and what, what things do they need to do to, to, to uh, salvage their already kind of admittedly abysmal operational performance? Um, it's a very there, loaded question, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> well, There is a lot to unpack there. Um, you know, in my, you know, in my, my military experience as a, as a, couple of decades removed now i mean it's something you never get out of your system you know and so i'm always i'm always following it the thing that has really surprised me about this is that they couldn't establish air superiority right away and it looks to me like they still haven't um you know seeing that the drone footage of ukrainian um javelin teams you know taking on armored formations um and uh, you know, videos of you know the helicopters getting shot down. I mean, I get it. It is you mentioned earlier. It's kind of a one-sided propaganda war. We're seeing a lot of stuff that makes it look like the Ukrainians are just owning them. And in in some cases, they are. You know, hell on the social media side, they're absolutely owning them. Um, that that's opened up a whole new front of of information warfare. I don't know that anybody really anticipated. But yeah, for me, the, the surprise has been that, that they, they haven't been able to establish air superiority. And so everything they have is vulnerable because of that. And it looks like now the Ukrainians may be operating inside Russia. Um, you know, um, yeah, actually, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard a lot about it, but the, there's the uh, chemical plant explosion. Mm-hmm. There's uh, another, uh, another building. There were like two buildings yesterday that were... Um, I, I don't. I don't want to use the word sabotage because I don't know. Because um, I've heard an alternative theory too that when they're producing this a certain type of propellant in the chemical plant, if you kind of have it invested in the in upgrading it, and you and you've jury rigged, you know, a bunch of the processes and and taken out all the safety controls and things like that. And then suddenly you're running low on ammunition and you need to ramp up 
activities, you might just have a fire yeah. uh, that breaks out naturally. Aesthetic, so, well, well, yeah, like static discharge uh, can light off a freaking hell of an explosion. Um, yeah. So, so with anyway. that, I mean, now that you mentioned, it, I haven't said anything about this stuff. What do you think's going on there? Do you think it's sabotage, or do you think it's the just run-of-the-mill Russian well, corruption well, and incompetence? There's a, there's a, there's been quite a few. It's just been in the last couple of days. Um, of you know, I think militarily important uh, factories and depots that have gone up in flames. You know, and of course they've, you know, they've shown that they can reach Russian operating bases on the other side of the border and, and disrupt some of that. But what's that line from, is, is it the line, it's from Goldfinger. Um, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're they're up to at least number three and maybe counting. So maybe like the helicopter thing, the helicopter raid. Yes, mm -hmm. that's definitely Ukraine. The the sinking of the uh, Moskva, definitely, definitely Neptune missiles from Ukraine. Oh, um, but there's like two more and, and it's hard to because they're much deeper. They're much deeper into Russian territory. Yeah, and there's, you know, again, back to the whole the information warfare side of it. Um, you know, as you mentioned, there's a lot of information that we're not getting. And it's really easy to um, get excited for the Ukrainians. I mean, because everybody with a conscience ought to be on their side. Set aside how historically, you know, corrupt they've been, you know, and with their own political families. <clears throat> No, no names mentioned. Um, you know, having having ties, you know, lucrative ties to to them. You know, Russia can't just go around invading countries because they feel like it. Right. You know, you know, and you, taking territory. Yeah, right? you know, like exactly. this is a, lately you know, admitted yesterday that that like southern like um, at least you know what though good on them for at least admitting what we all what we already knew. Mm -hmm. Right, which is like, look, we're just going to take this territory, so we control the Black Sea coast. Yeah, oh. and so uh, so at least they're honest about it. You know, I mean, it, it would be really cheap, and I'm sure people make the comparison. Well, look what we did in Iraq. Well, you know, we can have a whole separate argument about the wisdom or lack of wisdom of that. However, you want to look at it, we weren't just going there to claim territory, obviously. Uh, nor Afghanistan. And plus know. we subdued their conventional military in six weeks. Yes. And so there's that. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, back to, back to what the Russians have done, it, it really has been surprising um, that it, their tactics don't seem to have evolved very much. You know, the, the thing that, the thing that we heard all the time back during the cold war is their, their organization wasn't like we did in the West, especially in the United States, where um, it's not so top down. You know, it's more distributed, and you rely an awful lot on your on your career NCOs um, and enlisteds to know their jobs and understand the mission. You know, the whole commander's intent. Um, yeah, mission oriented tactics. They were way more top down that their NCOs and enlisted only did exactly what they were told and they weren't really able to think for themselves and that was going to be the difference um, on the battlefield. 
And boy, we're seeing it in practice. It doesn't look like that has changed in 30 years. Um, here's, then, here's an interesting thought, actually. Um, so the Chinese have had officers that have observed battles at the National Training Center, you know, with, you know, with, um, you know, American permission. I wonder, those officers who visited and saw that, I wonder, you know, saw us fight, like, you know, me as op for fighting as Russians, they, they saw that, I wonder what they, they're like, if they've seen that, and they're watching what the Russians are doing now, what their takeaway is, I'd be very curious about that. You know, they've got to be watching this and taking a lot of notes. And, you know, my first thought was when, you know, a month and a half ago was, oh boy, they're watching this and they're going to see how we, what kind of success the Russians have and how we probably won't react to it. And Taiwan is toast. Um, you know, I, and, and I initially thought China would take up. Take I, I think they're smarter than that. I think they're smarter than that. Well, yeah. They are. They they really do think long term, and and you know I figured out I was wrong pretty quickly. I, but I, I really thought that I could foresee them moving on Taiwan, taking advantage of all you know that chaos. But, they know. They know that yeah. if if they if they did that, um, their infrastructure in the South China Sea would be gone in an afternoon. Um, and I know that because I've had a prior guest who's spoken to admirals who say that they could take it out in an afternoon because mm -hmm. uh, they know where everything is and you know everything's kind of targeted, ready to go. Um, the second thing that would immediately happen is the Strait of Malacca would be shut down. Uh, and within a month or so, 90% of their oil and natural gas is, is gone. And the Chinese... Um, would not only be caught with their pants down trying to invade Taiwan, which would we would aggressively um, uh, you know oppose and and like very likely send troops because the you know, eighty or ninety percent of the of advanced all advanced semi semiconductor foundries are located on ta Taiwan yeah, right that. we we let that go like we're done. So that's an existential threat to our economy, to the EU's economy. Um, but you know, within a month, they would not only have, you know, get a like a massive bloody nose in Taiwan. They would have to deal with massive internal um, dislocation and disposition when you know as their economy slows down because they have no fuel. Uh, now, now that 80 to 90 percent is has been mitigated a little bit with all the pipelines that they've kind of the the, the wheel and spoke, uh, whatever it's called that they they've set up. The reason that they had to set up all that stuff was to come up with a a way to mitigate that potential threat. But I don't think it's you know they're they're really ready for that yet. But we would shut them down, and they they'd have to deal with internal disruption and civil war and things like that when their population starts to starve. So they know, um, we know, and I think they're, I think they still have some more time. They're just going to wait it out. 
Well, I, the thing that I've wondered is, you know, them looking at how things went in Russia, I'm sure they're comparing that to their own tactics. I wasn't aware that they had been observing um, um, our training at NTC. Yeah, we had we had officers that um, they were invited to watch. Now, they wanted to um, send soldiers to be on each individual tank crew. Mm-hmm. To observe, and we obviously said uh, no. <laughs> Absolutely, they have their own training center now that's north of Beijing, where instead of the uh, like we we call our op, you know, the we have our op four and then the blue four, and they they have their op four and then they have the red force. They're their own red team. Yeah. Well, no, they're the good. They're the Red Force obviously is the good guys. The good guys, right? Red yeah. Four, Red Force, whatever. But they yeah. have a training facility north of Beijing that is modeled off of the National Training Center. The uh, the uh, um, I got to think that they're looking at that and they're reevaluating their own tactics. Um, you know, and you also have to think if if they've been observing what we do uh, at, at places like NTC that. They were already reevaluating their own tactics, um, and and that's something I don't know enough about is uh, what what kind of doctrine they have for for ground forces. Did they follow the old Soviet model that Russia never seemed to break out of, or were they more forward thinking? And um, I mean, the, the last thing I've read, but this is twenty years ago. There's a there's a book called um, Unrestricted Warfare, and it was written by. Um, some PLA colonels. And it was in response to the first Gulf War. And their thesis was that America has its golden bombs and and this and that. So the way to oppose the American military is with uh, low-tech, high payoff, you know, technologies or tactics. And they're right to some extent, but this conflict that you're seeing right now invalidates a, a big part of that premise, right? Because what we're doing is we're seeding. You know, the technology is expensive, but it's not, you know, it's still it's expensive. Yeah. But it's not that expensive on a relative basis because you know we can seed these weapons to the Ukrainians, and they can do destroy much more expensive. Russian equipment, right, which the Russians can't really afford to replace at a rate commensurate with the rate that we can afford to produce more Javelin missiles. So they're going to have to definitely look at their doctrine and tactics and adjust certain things because, you know, um, is the tank dead? No. Like you'll see in the Donbass region where the terrain dictates that Javelins aren't going to be as effective because there's nowhere to hide, right? Uh, but drones, you know, you're going to have to adjust your your doctrine and tactics to deal with drones. But tanks still will have a place because you can't advance across wide open spaces without them, right? Otherwise, you're going to get slaughtered. So, you know, there's going to be, you know, even even us, even us, our military, we're going to have to be furiously taking notes. And adjusting our doctrine and tactics to to deal with um, you know drones and you know other advanced weaponry in the future, so we'll we'll see. But anyway, your your assessment about uh, what do the Russians need to do going forward to 
kind of turn this thing around? You know, what I want to worry that they'll do is just if they realize that they can't win conventionally, you know, again, the the targeted strikes never happened. You know, there wasn't decapitation strike. They weren't, they weren't able to take down their communications or intelligence, um, you know, command, uh, well, it was a C4SI now is the, the, uh, acronym. Um, they haven't been able to squelch the opposition to them. So they're just going to keep amping up in, in taking more and more drastic measures. You know, we're starting, you know, we're starting to see some of the fruits of that. Um, you know, there was talk, what, a week or so ago that they were using chemical weapons. I think that ended up being um, discounted. It was not being true. And I, I certainly hope it wasn't. No, did, did it? Did it? I just, it just went dark as far as I know. Yeah, I, I had seen some talk that it, that it came from, um, it came from whatever they, is it the, the actual neo-Nazi unit they have within the Ukrainian army? The, 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 um, Azov battalion, and, and by the way, they're, they're not neo-Nazi. Okay. Like, it's, again, this is just... There are there are there are elements within it that have neo-Nazi sympathies, but they are a legitimate part of the Ukrainian military. Um, you know, uh, their flag looks kind of Nazi-like, but I mean, there is about as many neo-Nazis in the U.S. military as there are in the um, you know Ukrainian military as there are in the Russian military. So it's. Um, which is which is actually frightening, right? Because uh, the same thing's going on in our country. It's like you know what? It's it's wrong to assault somebody, but punch a Nazi, right? What, what's a Nazi? Well, anybody who's to the to the right of the JFK. Yeah, anybody right? you disagree with now is a Nazi. But but the point is, like, what 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 the left should learn from this conflict is how easy it is to rile up, you know, uh, people to kill another people based on a completely absurd claim of the need for denazification and things like that. Like the Russians are just taking what's worked very well in the West to demonize and to justify violence against a particular part of the population. And they're just applying it to Ukraine. And the fact that nobody's commented on this in the media establishment just goes to show that the media establishment is you know, 90% swayed one way. But it should be a lesson that, that makes people a little bit more thoughtful about what they say, uh, because you know once once you say oh it's so oh, this particular group it's okay to just exterminate them that's what's happening, and we're showing it in the West too like it's like it's it's the same here, so um, and and and, uh, and by the way it's not an exclusive like it's not exclusively something that's on the le- on the side of the left right we also see it on on the. On the right, I can't think of any immediate examples, but it's also because I'm just not thinking of any immediate examples. But it's something that's built into the the psychology of every single human being on the planet, and the fact that we're not being more reflective and and looking at this particular example that um, you know in Ukraine about how it was easy to just you know because I think despite what the media is saying. If I had to just guesstimate, I'd say maybe 15 to 
as many as much you know the 35 percent of the russian population is against this war i think most of them are for it you know um is it 80 83 percent or whatever the 82 percent whatever the last poll was in russia probably not but it's still pretty high and it's only going to increase as the sanctions bite the population so yeah and it's and and, and again that's the point that I worry about is that Putin gets painted into a corner that he, you know, it, it gets to a point where he can't win in Ukraine without doing something really, really drastic that makes the rest of us just reel back in shock and decide, okay, we can't let this go on anymore. And now it's, it's time for us to get involved. And, you know, it, I, I, I worry about it spinning out of control and becoming a, a, for him, a personal war of survival. Because, you know, let's face it, dictators don't leave power gracefully. You know, there's not a there's not a transition of power like we have um, in our country, you know, where he can just go off into retirement. You know, he either stays in power or he dies. And it's either natural causes or other. And, you know, if he feels his power being being. Um, sufficiently challenged, I do worry that he's going to do something really drastic. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, having comments, making comments about regime change are not helpful. Like I understand, I understand, I understand where, what Biden meant to say, because when he said it, I'm like, I know, I know exactly where you're going with this, but it can easily be misconstrued. And and to be hundred percent clear, what the message that, Putin may have heard would be that you know the U.S. might fund a an assassination campaign against him, right? And that's that's not at all or regime change, right? Like actually sending troops like we did um, in Iraq, which I, I I doubt he would ever think that we would be stupid enough to do that, right? He's a smart man, like, uh, but uh, you know, funding an, an assassination campaign, absolutely, he can he can totally. His conspiratorial mind can definitely go there. What Biden meant to say is that oligarchs, if Putin were to mysteriously swallow a poison pill and somebody new came up, we'd be willing to deal. And he yeah, was just the way that he would have experienced with that, doesn't he? he doesn't. Uh, Applying that method to other people. Yeah. Say, say, say more. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, the uh, you know polonium in the tea, that kind of thing. Oh, you're talking about. Oh, you're talking about Putin. I thought you're talking no, about Biden. No, no, I'm no, like, no. Ah. <laughs> no God, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Polonium dioxin. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Novichok. There, there may be. You know, I, I have my opinions that I. I'm generally too new at this game to voice. I mean. Nobody cares what I think anyway, but you know, I may have my disagreements with uh, the, the 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 current uh, administration. But I no, I wouldn't suggest that. Um, yeah, but um, and, and, and frankly, I also wouldn't suggest that somebody goes in and tries to kill Putin because the long tail of that is a who would be his successor, right? There's not not a lot of great candidates, and B, you have the loose nukes issue right if there's not a clear successor um you're taking a lot of risk of instability in the world's largest nuclear power yeah and and 
you know, back to, to what you said about, you know, the, the regime change comment. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you've got to be really careful at that level, but, you know, there's just the difference in interpretation of languages. The way we say something may make perfect sense to us, and we know what we're talking, you know, what we're trying to get across, but the person who's translating it into their own language, you know, your, your, your language kind of determines how you think in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, and not, not just the mechanics of, uh, this word means that word, and, you know, in a different language, um, they may hear something completely different. And as you said, something that suggests a lot, um, something, something that suggests something uh, a lot darker than, than what he intended. You know, you're right, Putin and his inner circle may hear that as, as um, a hit order, right? All right, my friend, um, I'm long past my, my hard stop. So okay. appreciate you, appreciate you having you on. Uh, people should definitely check out Frontier, which uh, comes out in the mass market paperback as, as well as, you know, in, in June, as well as Frozen Orbit and your earlier books as well. So appreciate talking to you and, uh, uh, you know, I hope the audience enjoyed the episode. Thanks, thank man. you. Yeah, thank you again. I enjoyed it. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time.